I need to take it to Yonkers. Sometimes what we want is not what we need. Sent back to a Christmas past. Ben? I hope all your Christmas wishes come true. Lindsay Fonseca, Chandler Massey. I'm from the future. With Leah Thompson and Christopher Lloyd. What's Christmas without a little magic? That's it. Next Stop Christmas, part of Countdown to Christmas on Hallmark. Great Scott! It's stocking stuffer season, people. It happened. We made it through a year, did we? I don't know. It's been it's been a time. It's been a time, everybody. But it is d- November to December of 2021. It is the holiday season. Of course, if you are Hallmark or Lifetime, it's been the holiday season since October 13th. It is getting earlier every year. I am still trying my best to not start it until what I think is the official start, which used to be December 1st. Now I accept that it is like Thanksgiving or right after Thanksgiving. So what can we say? De-evolution continues. The world is getting worse. Christmas moves up earlier and that's what we got. Now, some of you might be wondering, what the hell is a stocking stuffer? Where the hell is Christine? Why do I have to listen to Emily? Uh, you don't have to, first of all. It's a free country. Or it's, no matter where you are, it's, your ears are free. You don't have. You can choose not to do this if you so desire. Uh, but traditionally, by traditionally, I mean seven years in a row now. Uh, come this time of year, uh, we split a little bit from our regular format and start doing what, what I have called stocking stuffers, where I pick some of these Hallmark Lifetime and now every other channel, including the Food Network, uh, all of these Christmas movies, I dive into them based on a list of tropes that they so readily fit. And yes, I don't want to be the one to say it, but I'm going to say it. I was doing this well before all those memes about the Hallmark bingo card went out. Thank you very much. But anyway, uh, Christine will be joining me on a future episode, so don't worry. You will hear her. We'll have some other exciting guest stars always a fun holiday season. Uh, This year will probably be a little bit abridged, a little bit shorter than in past years, just don't have the time and have some other things going on in life. Um, But these, uh, in their own weird way, the same way watching and writing about the world's worst horror movies gives me a sense of normalcy, uh, so does going through these interchangeable, never really much evolution. Although, having said that... um, First off the bat, something I always like to say in the beginning is, fuck Hallmark. Um, they have done a lot of shitty things and said a lot of shitty things. I think their tide has turned a wee bit where they have started to kind of understand, oh, so we we're, we are not going to lose all of our audience if we have a gay character or if we have a few movies that don't just star white people. So they're getting a little better. In the meantime, Lifetime really picked up the slack. Some of the other networks did and kind of centered some of these other stories that were not traditionally covered by these Christmas movies. So more power to them. Uh, We will try to get to what we can as far as these lists go, but a lot of it just comes down to availability and what's what what I can grab and watch and quickly and talk about and get other people to talk about with me. Uh, So on that note... Today's episode, our, uh, our introduction to Stalker Stuffer season, I always kind of like to pull a traditional Hallmark movie because I feel like it's the easiest way of sort of, uh, for those who are new to the Stalking Stuffers, kind of getting an idea of what, what we go through, what they are, what these this format is. And usually the movies that they air around this time of year are those kinds of movies. They're not the big, high-profile, high-concept ones. Um 
but they're your typical starring and an attractive young actress who probably deserves a better career, uh, dressed in very warm and fuzzy colors, falling in love with a very generic white man, and Christmas. That's what we get. So that's the kind of movie we have today. Um, It does have a little bit of a twist. It wants to have a bigger twist than it really does, and I definitely decided to watch it because I thought it was going to be a little bit wackier. Uh, Today's movie is Next Stop, Christmas. I fucking let's let's just deal with it. Okay, I'm not this is the elephant in the room right here. Why is it a comma and not a colon? Is it because they think colons scare people? Now there is colons can be overused. I do agree. Semicolons can be overused more semicolons and colons. Colons are usually used correctly. Um, But in this case, if I was saying, hey, next stop, I would probably do a colon, not a comma. But right off the bat, I don't want to get hung up on semantics, because if I did, we'd never get through this, and these are designed to be shorter episodes, and that doesn't always happen. So, next stop, Christmas. Uh, I can give you a quick rundown of the story. We didn't come here for the story. We came here for the tropes, but just to, to dive in, about a young surgeon named Angie who works really hard because she's a motherfucking surgeon. She should be working hard, but she's lost track of her family because she's a surgeon. Uh, so she decides... Okay, I'm going to go home to Christmas to see my family. While at the Grand Central train station, she buys a ticket from a magical-ish man, played by Christopher Lloyd. Here's your first Back to the Future connection. Uh, And it turns out the train she gets on is a magical time-traveling train that takes her back 10 years to a big night. It was a Christmas when she turned down the proposal from a man who she thinks she should have married. Um, So she's thinking, okay, if I go back, I can make this right. I'm going to say yes, and my life is going to change. And... I'll still be a surgeon, but I'll just be a happily married surgeon. Seems to be, like, the thing lacking in her life. Because, I mean, she's she's really successful at her job, and she's saving people's lives. Let's not forget that. This isn't, like, corporate lawyer, um, you know, kind of job that hurts people or, or isn't doing anything for the world. Like, no, 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 she is actively saving a person's life every day. But anyway, I digress. Um... Anyway, of course, she goes back in the past. She realizes eventually, wait a minute, I didn't love this guy. I loved this other guy who I grew up with, who's always there. And we're in love. And also she reunites her parents who are drifting apart. Um, so, And her mother is played by Leah Thompson. So there's your other Back to the Future connection. So every, oh, and her sister is having fertility problems and she helps her get over that kind of, not really. Uh, but of course it ends happy. Uh, there is love and a very hastily assembled interior shot of a New York City restaurant on Christmas Eve that in no way looks like a New York City restaurant on Christmas Eve. Uh, Before we dive into the tropes, let's just get some of the other details out of the way. Uh, Next Up Christmas is directed by Dustin Reichert, or Rickert. He uh, has produced a whole lot of these movies. You'll see his name everywhere. Um, Not not as much directing, but I do want to call to, to... to your attention, two titles he directed that I will be probably checking out, uh, unrelated to Christmas movies. And we have seen a lot of um, the odd connection between horror and Hallmark. Uh, You know, last year was the big breakout, Anything for Jackson, where that director had previously done dozens of Hallmark movies or Hallmark-adjacent movies. So Dustin Reichert had the other career trajectory. He started in horror and then kind of moved over to Hallmark. And one of his early credits was a movie called Haunted Airplane. I have not seen Haunted Airplane. I saw a Haunted Airplane movie this year called Flight 666, and I didn't know there were other Haunted Airplane movies. So, and I, when I watched that, I said, man, that's a really good idea for a movie. There should be more like that. Now I know there is at least one other, so I'll watch that. The other thing he directed, because this just reminded me what an odd time the early, um, 
teens, 20 teens were for film. Dustin Reichert directed a title called Easy Rider to the Ride Home. Did anybody know there was an Easy Rider sequel made 50 years after the first Easy Rider? Uh, I know Jeff Fahey is in it, so it almost makes me think it's going to have like a weird Christian beat. I don't know. Uh, he tends to star in a lot of those kinds of movies. But like, I, and I guess looking back, like we had Roadhouse 2 around that same era. And I bet if I were to like pull up other 70s to 80s titles, there's a whole lot of random sequels we didn't know about. But I will buy a drink to anybody that knew there was a sequel to Easy Rider. But let's dive into the details of Next Stop Christmas. Again, we start with our 10 things that these movies should have. Uh, we'll go through them. Number one, the most important thing is our lead in need of a lesson. Most of the time, this is a, you know, kind of C-ish, B-minus-ish list actress, uh, usually like an old 90210 star, uh, and I mean like both 90210s, old and new, um, who just hasn't really broken out and gotten her own thing yet and the big screen. In this case, we have Lindsay Fonseca who's somebody you'd recognize she i knew her mostly from agent carter she played the kind of sassy waitress who was good friends with peggy uh and she's playing angie our surgeon Lindsay fonseca uh is great she i think this i don't know if this is the first one of these kinds of movies she's done but i could see her kind of making a really good career here i'm sure she would like more challenging material i think she would be great in a sitcom she'd be very good um kind of as as that kind of comedic presence that isn't necessarily all the weight is on but that can play off of people she is funny um she's likable she is obviously very pretty they're always very pretty in these movies um but she has like a little bit more i always think of when i'm judging my actresses playing these parts i think of the gamut and you have somebody like um shanae grimes from uh old 90210 who's done a lot of these movies who is so boring when she does these movies she just doesn't look like she is acting at all she just looks like she is doing what she does in every movie and so here you have somebody who isn't straining i mean this is not an overly challenging part there's not a lot thrown at her but she holds the screen really well and she plays off people well so good on that does she need to learn a lesson motherfucker no she is a motherfucking surgeon i don't know about you but i I want my surgeon to be very much um, interested in surgery, right? I want them to not go out drinking after work and then fly home to visit their family and then fly home on a red eye to then go do surgery. Like, I'm okay with my surgeon who wants to spend a quiet night at home. That's fine! I don't know why this movie doesn't think that's the case. Um, something else about Angie that I need to point out, you heard it in the trailer, she is, li- so she's working in <coughs> Cough Cough, Manhattan. Uh, she is, but she lives in Yonkers. You know who else lives in Yonkers? Me! So I will keep my eye out for unhappily in love surgeons that happen to be um, wandering around my streets. Although they never actually get to Yonkers, so that's a little disappointing for me. Uh, one other thing I just want to throw out about Lindsay Fonseca, I did look at her filmography and I noticed the first title that's upcoming is something called Spinning Gold. I'm like, Spinning Gold, that's got to be a figure skating movie. It is not. Um, So I just don't want anybody getting their hopes up the way I did. Number two is our setting, which we know is typically a big bad city, a charming small town or a magical winter wonderland or some combination thereof. In this case, we do get the first two. So we start in Cough Cough, the big bad city. 
Uh, and then we move to a charming small town. So the big bad city is that she, Lindsay works, uh, Lindsay, Anzie, Angie works in Manhattan. Uh, the only Manhattan we see, well, we see two parts of Manhattan. We see um, a Manhattan bar that she goes to after work with her friend. And like, I, look, I haven't been to every bar in Manhattan, haven't been to many bars in Manhattan, but I know no bar looks like that. It is like there's room. You walk in and there's all this room at the bar for you to sit down. That is not true of any bar, even during COVID times. Then she ends up in the cleanest Grand Central you have ever seen uh, on the cleanest train you have ever seen, and then moves back to her small town, Connecticut, Shepherd's Ferry, which is your typical, you know, there is one matriarch who runs the Christmas tree festival and everybody knows each other and and all that jazz. So we, we, we hit the notes that we need to hit. And technically, we have a little bit of a magical winter wonderland because what this turns into very much is a Polar Express movie. Uh, when Lindsay gets her her ticket to go back to to Yonkers, quote unquote, she ends up on this magical train, this very Polar Express ish train, where we'll get to our sage old person who is there to guide her. Um, but so there is a touch of magic in the setting. Number three is our bland love interest. Uh, now, in this case, we get I want to say we get a bonus because we get two, except like they're really pushing the bland more than anything. So first is Tyler Grant, and I'm going to say his name is Tyler Grant because that is how everybody refers to him and how he refers to himself. It is never Tyler. It is always Tyler Grant. Tyler Grant was her boyfriend in college, and he, again, proposed to her. She said no. He went on to be a really successful sports reporter. Um, He is, he's good looking in that way that I don't know that anybody would actually want to kiss him. He just, he has a very, I don't, I don't mean to be mean to his face. It's a very handsome face. But there is nothing sexual about him. Uh, And of course, he turns out to be, what do you know, a workaholic. So he's always on his cell phone. And this movie is sort of made in a way where, um, like, I I almost thought we were past cell phones representing overworked uh, corporate types, just because everybody now has a cell phone so you know when you have to pull your cell phone out of your grandmother's hand it's no longer a joke to have somebody constantly be like oh um, excuse me I have, I have to take this call but this movie really leans into into that and there's a lot about this movie that feels like it was I, and I didn't you know I didn't check the age of the writers I have to wonder if this was written by people that are a couple of decades older than me kind of has that feeling anyway there's Tyler Grant and then our other love interest, our real love interest, is Ben Lee, who is whiter than you can imagine and much whiter than you would associate somebody named Ben Lee with. And Ben is played by Chandler Massey. Uh, so the story with Ben is that he was an orphan. Um, and he, so he was raised like almost, he wasn't raised by Angie's parents, but like they grew up very close together as if he was like a brother. Of course, there was sexual chemistry that everybody saw but her. And he always wanted to be a family attorney. And then he ends up in corporate law because evil, bad, got to change the fate of the future because no man should go into corporate law if he has a heart, obviously. And, uh, Ben is supposed to be like, you know, the good guy, the, the guy from back home who really had a good heart and always loved her and was right there. The, ah, there's a few problems here. And one, the actor's fine, um, but he also, like, if I had to look at him and um, cast him in any part, if you said, 
here's this actor, Chandler Massey, here's his headshot, here's a, a reel of him doing one scene in Next Step Christmas. What do you see his future as? I would say um, he is definitely the guy that shows up on Law & Order SVU as the friend of the woman who was raped and then of course you find out it was actually him like he definitely has that vibe about him it's very like clean white guy like not frat guy he was the nice frat guy uh who doesn't drink but of course like does drugs the drinks that kind of thing i know i go dark really quickly and we're only 16 minutes in and i've already gone into svu rape but you'll, you'll see what i mean if you watch this anyway uh the other shame is that he just doesn't really have chemistry with Lindsay Fonseca. Maybe part of that is that from the beginning, and honestly, this is what a lot of the IMDb reviews had to say, is that in the beginning, like, she says so many times, I wasn't into him, I wasn't into him, that it's really hard to watch him and be like, I don't know, I don't think she's that into him. And so that's a shame. And then there's one more thing that really just drives the wedge to, I think, viewers, which is um, at one point when when Angie is saying why they didn't end up together, she kind of says, like, if everyone who loved Coldplay and Lasagna ended up together. Do, so just pause that for a moment and think about that line. Like, look, nothing against Coldplay. Like, a lot of figure skaters skate to Coldplay. I understand some of their songs. Great. But just there, there's something very, like, ugh, like if you had to describe a relationship, it's like, so what, what do you two have in common? We love Coldplay. We love listening to Coldplay. We love eating lasagna. We love... Eat, making lasagna while we play Coldplay. It just suddenly turned me down a really dark path of their relationship. Anyway, that is our love interest. Number four is our montage. My favorite part of these movies. You know what we don't get next up Christmas? A motherfucking montage. Moving on. I'm pissed off. One point down. Number five, dead parents or a dead wife. Um, so at first I thought we had, didn't have any and I was a little mad, but then I remembered, right, Ben is an orphan, right? So Ben doesn't have parents. So that's there. Now, more interestingly... Um, something new, and I wonder if this is going to come up more. I wonder almost, this will be really interesting. So this is the second COVID year of, of these Christmas movies, right? And last year there was no acknowledgement of COVID. Uh, we know that some were filmed with COVID measurements in place, but there was never a single line about it. I don't anticipate these movies acknowledging it because the whole point of these is that they're escapist. So to me, it doesn't make sense. I understand not bringing that in, but I wonder what differences we're going to see and in in a in a year of a lot more death than many of us have ever experienced i would not be surprised if some of the dead parents get gets pulled back if some of the dead wives if we have less dead wives and more divorced wives i don't know let's keep a watch on that i think it'll be interesting put a pin in it um because so what we have here we don't really have dead parents we have divorced parents which i mean according to this movie is worse than them being dead like uh, Angie's dad has left Angie's mom. He has moved to Arizona with a new woman. They have a new family. And of course, at the beginning of this movie, you're thinking, oh, this this asshole, like he clearly left his wife for a younger woman. Um, but then when we go back in time, 10 years earlier, and a big part of it is how Angie just was so wrapped up in motherfucking medical school that she didn't realize her family was going through shit. You know what? Because she was in motherfucking medical school. But anyway... And um, going back 10 years and being able to like really just spend time with her parents, she realizes, oh my God, they were falling apart. Like 10 years ago when we were out of the house, right? When the kids had left the roost, suddenly my parents looked at each other and realized we don't know each other. We, the things we have in common, we don't anymore. <laughs> and um, the, the, you know, the dad brings up a line of like, you know, how we're drifting. He's like, you know, she likes romantic comedies. I like mysteries. 
I I wish at that point Hallmark had like flashed an ad underneath that said Hallmark Movies and Mysteries because they have that channel and it kind of would have been the best way of bringing these two together. Instead, it becomes like a whole... um, uh, what do you call it? Like a whole third act subplot is getting mom and dad to rekindle their their love by staging the first time they met because they met at a Christmas party. So it's like, mom, wear the same dress that you wore 30 years ago. Dad, doesn't mom look great? Hey, let's have the same carolers sing these songs. And oh my God, they're in love again. And like, that's fine, right? It's sweet when you've been married a long time and you remember why you fell in love. But you know what's sweeter is being married a long time and like changing together and realize and looking and like, sure, it's cute to have memories of, oh, our wedding was so great or, oh, it was, you know, that first time we kissed was was the best. But it's even better to be like, last night we kissed and it was even better. (laughs) And the, I know like this is meant to be an escapist sweet film where everybody ends happy, but it would have been really nice if this plot went the real way it should have gone, which is dad's still in Arizona, happily married to someone new. And mom really loves pottery. And that's what she's doing with her time. Or mom meets some, you know, mom and Tyler Grant end up banging and then she feels better. And then she goes on Tinder and life is great. It just, you know, it, it, we know that these movies are designed in a very heteronormative, uh, patriarchal marriage is the way to go have babies reproduce obey that they live glasses we know it's all there um it's just a shame sometimes when you're watching these and and this is a case where the movie is good enough the actors are good enough it's leah thompson who doesn't love leah thompson that you're watching it and you're thinking if you just weren't a hallmark movie you could be a really interesting like comedic drama about a family at this stage of their lives going different directions and that's interesting but again i am i am asking for a movie that nobody else watching these wants to get so we'll move over number six is our sassy sidekick uh typically a friend a sister or a co-worker who often wears dangly earrings if she is female she is never as pretty as our lead or she is but she is not white she's the only person of color in the movie often uh and if this character is male it is usually your one gay character in the movie in this case um we have a sidekick. This is term sassy. It is an insult to the word sassy to describe her as sassy. But Angie has a sister. Uh, the sister's main thing is that the sister has a son with her husband and wants to have another child and is having a lot of trouble doing that. Is going through IVF and apparently it's not working. And she spent several years trying to do IVF and it's just a whole thing. And like, okay, that, that's look. That is sad. I under I have not. This is not my experience, but I have friends who have gone through fertility issues. I, I understand how, how hard that is on on a family. But you know what I don't want to watch in my Hallmark Christmas movie? I don't want to watch a woman who has a, a little boy whining about not being able to have another one. And it's an, again, it's an odd choice to put in here. Uh, it does have a happy payoff because ultimately she is able to adopt what she's trying to do, but is having trouble because she doesn't have a good family lawyer. Oh no, perhaps there is one hiding in the wings that will give up his evil corporate lifestyle to help her adopt. But yeah, so the disappointment on the sidekick front, There, is, but, 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 but we get half a point because back 10 years ago, Angie had a dog, a, an English bulldog named Boomer who is just there he just i mean this is one of those cases where it's like a bulldog that um 
I love bulldogs. I want to squish their faces and I want to rub under their chins. That's, that's like the prime spot on a bulldog. But also sometimes look at a bulldog and you're like, oh, you poor thing. You don't, you were not constructed. There is no God. If you believe that a, a God created this creature to walk and breathe in this manner, and this is like a particularly bulldog where you're just very concerned about his health. Uh, and especially because Angie's like, oh, Boomer, you're dead and now you're not. This is great. Which of course would be, if I were to go back 10 years, there's two things I would do. One, I would try to warn people about the upcoming apocalypses in America of varying sorts. The other thing would be, I would just be like, just lock me in a room with all of my pets that are still alive and that are not alive now. But that's me. Anyway, moving on. Number seven, our evil woman or our evil boss type. No. Again, two down. Two things we don't get in this movie. The villains of these Hallmark movies are always so great. Um, and when they're not great, they're great because we see why they weren't great. And in this case, we just don't have any. The villain is Angie's devotion to not killing people on the surgery table. Take Make of that what you will. Number, number eight, slapstick. Again, usually the easiest one, right? A Christmas tree falls on someone. Oh, you're hanging the lights and you get tangled. All of these things. Shockingly, Next Stop Christmas really doesn't have any of them. It is weird. This, I, as much as like, you know, sometimes movies overdo it or underdo it, I think this might be the only one that I've never clocked anything in. And honestly, I'm okay with that because it didn't, we didn't need anything forced. There's still like little gags here and there and it's perfectly cute and fine. Number nine is our sage old person. We do get a double here. So there is Christopher Lloyd, um, who plays the Grand Central ticket taker. Uh, who, of course, has a lot of different gems to give. And the end of this episode, I'm going to play an interview that I pulled off YouTube of Christopher Lloyd talking about his character and what he thinks of him. So you understand, okay, he's he's sort of like the Tom Hanks and Polar Express character. Uh, and then the other sage old person, we have Aunt Mert. Uh, Aunt Mert is played by Erica Slezik. I'm sure her name I apologize to Young and the Restless fans if I'm saying her name wrong. I know she is an icon. Um, she's cute. She's like the kind of town what would you call her, like unofficial mayor who sort of runs the social scene. And she has a lot of like one-liners on how being friends is so great and you fall in love with your friend and then how like, oh, and then of course the gem, um, life is more than work, she keeps saying. Tell that to the people on Angie's surgery table. Number 10 is Santa Claus. And guys, we don't know about Santa Claus. We get a magical conductor. So it kind of is like half a point, but it's still not. So really surprising that for a Hallmark film, we're at like a 7 out of 10 in terms of hitting the notes. So strange way to start the season. Um, but now let's move on to the bonus round. So the things that pop up, um, first thing being, of course, public domain holiday songs. And I giggle every time because I work off a template here. I like keep my list running so I can always reference it. And I forgot that I have um, simply refused to fix the typo because I, I wrote this as pubic domain holiday songs. And I could very easily add an L and um, stop me from giggling every time I get to this part of the episode, but I'm just not gonna. Uh, so the pubic holiday domain holiday songs we get, we open on a winter wonderland. We get, of course, an Oh Christmas Tree because there's a Christmas tree lighting. Um, we get jingle bells as she's doing surgery, which seems a little distracting, but I digress. Uh, and then we have, um, there's this one recording of Joy to the World that a lot of these movies use. So it must be like, again, Joy to the World is a public domain song, but this recording must be like in the Hallmark Bank that they rotate around. And it's like, every time I hear it, it's really whispery. 
it sounds like if you didn't listen to the words and didn't realize it was a song about like Jesus and Christmas, you would think it was a, I'm, I'm showing you my lingerie sex song. It is weirdly sexy. Okay, continuing on, I didn't clock any product placement. Cloying child. So we have um, one child, Henrik, uh, Angie's nephew, who doesn't say much. He's got these like big beady eyes, this blonde hair. Kind of looks like um, like a baby Toby Jones. I was trying to figure out who he looks like. There's something really creepy about him. I'm going to go with Toby Jones. I'm, there's somebody else in there. I can't quite crack it. And it dawned on me at the end of why, what was so weird about him. And I mean, the, the boy is fine. Yeah, as an actor, he's fine. They don't have him do much, which is the smart decision for these movies. But I realized at a certain point, like, there's a big Christmas party festival thing, and there's a gingerbread house and all that. And it dawned on me what was strange. He's the only child in town. There are no other children. Like, he gets to this party, and there's a gingerbread house, and everybody is over five feet, except for this little boy. And now, again, my mind spins, because here the sister can't get pregnant, can't have other, another kid. Like, is there some kind of curse on this town? Is is this the thing? Is he the last of the next generation? I don't know. Again, newer movie, maybe for the Hallmark Murders and Mysteries that we can get to next year. Moving on. Uh, no ice skating, but we do have a snowball fight, and the snowball fight is a snowball fight proposal. Make of that what you will. No Canadianisms. I don't know where this was filmed. Uh, obviously not New York. Um, somewhere cheap that you can film these places. I feel like I heard a couple of like stories and stuff where actors clearly might not have been American, but um, nothing obvious. No characters with Christmas names, unfortunately. Uh, and then um, Christmas tree lighting or or finding the perfect tree. I've amended that one a little bit because I think so often it's one of the two. In this case, we get both. There is a, hey, everybody, let's go find the perfect tree. And again, my family, we were like a break the tree out of the attic um, and, you know, assemble it. And that was it. So I don't know. Maybe families that go to get a tree are really, really um, picky and detailed about the perfect tree. I've never heard anybody talk about the perfect tree until I watched Hallmark Christmas movies, so tell me if I'm wrong. Um, And then, like, they find a tree, and guys, honestly, it is one shitty-looking tree. If that is their definition of a perfect tree, I don't really respect these people's aesthetic. No karaoke, uh, no actor walking around with a coffee cup that is clearly empty, unfortunately. Um, But I do want to add two more new things that we're going to add in here. One is a warm weather watch which is, of course, what it sounds like. Uh, Actors who are clearly in winter clothing, but are filming this in July in cities that are not very cold. And here you see a lot of that because you have, you know, they they look very cute. They're in their little pea coats and they're, you know, matching earmuffs and such. But you have so many scenes of like one person in a pea coat and hat and the other person just in a long sleeve shirt with a vest over it. One person wearing gloves, the other not, but holding a snowball. And again, like, I know there are dudes that wear shorts in winter and people that get cold when it turns 60, but there's a little consistency to just how cold, you know, everybody is. And in this case, this is one that you could see. And then the last thing I'm going to add in here, because I, again, I don't want to forget, because I think it is pretty interesting to watch, uh, which is kind of the the COVID watch, if you will, to see, does this movie feel any different um, now than it would have two years ago? Um, we were trying to figure out, my husband kind of walked in and out as I was watching it, we were trying to see, is Christopher Lloyd actually in the scenes with anybody? Or is he filming it, you know, behind a green screen, just in a different room? 
it was hard to really tell. He's never that close to anyone. He is the most he is is sitting at a table, so they could have easily had glass between them. Um, there's definitely scenes where it is just him, so I have a feeling, and this is a good thing, that they kept him pretty isolated, which is good. He is a national treasure. We want to protect him. Um, but that's, uh, that is Next Stop Christmas. Uh, d- giving you the best, um, on IMDb, this has a, I think it has a pretty decent rating, probably because it just came out, so everybody that watched it are people that watch these movies. It has a 7.4 on IMDb, and honestly it's 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 one of the better ones um it as far as things go it i think it does kind of whiff the back to the future thing because that could have been really fun and there's time travel but like there's not time travel and it's you know i don't know which came first if it was like okay here's the script for the time travelish one because we always have at least one of those this year and then they said like okay oh maybe we can get some people from back to the future okay let's work them in here and do that I don't know, chicken and egg, which came first, but it's fine. I wish they had done more, like, I know this is stupid, but I would have taken some 88 miles per hour jokes or something to kind of acknowledge what they're doing, because these are these can be self-referential. They're Hallmark Christmas movies. Half of, half of watching this movie is reading the bottom of the screen for the next Hallmark movie that they're advertising. It is so distracting when you actually watch it on cable, because just the whole bottom third of the screen most of the running time of this movie is telling you what else is going to air on hallmark and it's a very like note to filmmakers on hallmark never have the bottom of your screen be important in your storytelling because hallmark isn't going to let you show it they're going to put a big old cgi ball there with terry hatcher's face telling you about the movie she's in so watch out for that uh so details aside this was one of the better traditional ones, if that makes sense. It's watchable. Um, Lindsay Fonseca is cute and charming. She makes it work. There's nothing really cringeworthy in this, which we know, and I'm sure we'll get to some that will do that. It is completely inoffensive. There is nothing that, um, aside from the fact that everybody seems to think, like, surgery isn't that important a skill to have and do correctly, uh, that aside, it's fine. Um, again, boring romance. So if that is something you watch these for, if you like the hot Hallmark guy, no offense to Chandler Massey, but I don't think you really get that here. You just don't get fire in this relationship. Um, so I mean, it, it doesn't do all the things you want these to do, but it is fine. Uh, and that is how we start stocking stuff for season, everybody. I am going to leave you with um, Christopher Lloyd telling us what he thinks about his character. It is a lovely interview, and I, I recommend everyone watch it. Not, I don't recommend everybody watch Next Up Christmas, but I don't know. You could do worse if you're going to watch it. So have at it. We'll be back soon. I just got off doing uh, several weeks of King Lear. So this is the extreme of that. There's no drama. There's no... He's just a guy who loves doing magical things for people who he feels would uh, appreciate it. And and he, he doesn't have any axe to grind. He started, you know, he just wants them to get a little magic out of Christmas.